Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldkamp. A um, few things I have to say. One is we personally are involved both as a lifestyle, a ketogenic diet, but also through my 16 years of clinical practice of what is effective. What do people need to take sometimes, all the time, to support their ketogenic diet? You'll get bits and pieces of this ongoing week after week. It's important to be comprehensive. In one way, it's simple. and one way, it's a little bit complicated. Okay, so this is Carl, and I'm going to be interviewing a brand new person to ketogenic diet named Brian. And we're going to start from scratch uh, in terms of actually before he even chooses to start doing the diet, which is what I consider very important, getting awareness of what's necessary to do before you start doing it. So Brian, first thing, you have any questions for this whole little you know, journey you're going to go on? And what are some of your thoughts, concerns? One of the uh, first ones for me, uh, just mostly because I haven't really followed a, any type of strict kind of diet, at the present moment, I don't really have a lot of time I'm trying to eat out a lot, or sometimes I, I skip a bunch of meals. But, um, you know, for me, being able to access the foods that I'm able to eat, if that's going to be a problem for me, is going to be kind of important. And my biggest concern is not being able to get to it, like have, having my busy schedule actually get in the way or hinder that. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. So convenience, talking about convenience. Well, this can be done pretty much in any scenario, unless you're locked in some closet and somebody's force feeding you food against your, against your will. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's say, I'm going to pretend you're, you're slightly somebody else. Um, and you're a person that goes, you know, I can only eat at McDonald's. That's the way my lifestyle is right now. And it's the, it, it's just is what it is. What can I do? And I said, we can start there. And uh, mm-hmm. you can work within that menu. Clearly, it's not the best food, but we can find where you need to focus on that. And so it can be done in any context in terms of you having to package up things to take to work, uh, either very little and, and as you get into it, probably none. Okay. So like as like a layman's person, what would you probably tell me to, to, to focus on? Well, one of the things is, and you're starting to get into sort of the homework of, you know, I know I've sent you a few links of uh, things in the Facebook group that I want you to look at, you know, how to calculate your macros, how to track your macros, and then we'll get into uh, tracking your uh, biomarkers, which are ketone and glucose down the road. But I would say the very first thing, so let's pretend you are that guy who only eats at McDonald's and mm-hmm. uh, you're not ashamed of it. That's just your life. So what would I do to help you in that context? I'd say, well, first, we're going to drop the bun. You know, we're, we're going to, our first goal is going to be to drop carbs down mm-hmm. to 20 grams or less per day. And so I'm not, we're not going to look at proteins, eat the proteins, eat the fats, you know, they'll fall on a, just, your know, appetite's going to guide that. In essence, mm-hmm. where we're starting is the classic Atkins diet, which clearly existed. It's actually the classic uh, ketogenic diet for the Mm. most part that goes back to the 1920s. But we're just going to start there. If we can get you squared away by, so tracking your macros, you'll be working with my fitness pal. I mentioned that to you on the uh, links that I sent you. And most of us use that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you, if we can get down that, you now know you can track what you're eating and then we can feel pretty assured that you now know what a carb is. You'll be able to recognize what 20 carbs are. So if we do that, that's clearly the most important thing, period. If you did nothing else, and we have some levels to go above this, above and beyond this, if you did nothing else but that, and you knew uh, you're absolutely sure day after day after day, you that was gonna be your golden rule for the diet. So it wasn't about limitations, it was just about limitations in the carb, that would be the one thing. And that in itself would make a dramatic difference in your life, metabolically, health-wise, sleep-wise, weight-wise. 
but we're going to go beyond that. You mentioned something just now um, uh, regarding sleep-wise. Um, I'm very inconsistent with my sleep pattern. I notice that like I, I wake up all the time in the middle of the night. And uh, would you say that that's simply attributed to to diet? Yeah, I would. I, I, I tend to put both by clinical practice. So 16 years, I worked with people's diet, the blood work and everything else. Blood sugar is is kind of the thing that drives so many other things. You know, we can have a hundred different articles, a hundred different topics tied to this, but tying sleep to that when one eats for their last meal is one thing, but what they eat for their last meal. So when we get into the whole ketogenic that you're dropping your carbs and so on, and we'll get into maybe a little food timing. I don't want to put another limitation there, but then that's later. Um, for instance, we eat at six o'clock and we're usually done by well before 6.30. We've habituated ourselves to that because if we hit, if we go to bed 9.30, I want at least three hours of digestion, you know, before I hit the bed. Um, mm. So that, but it's not required. First step is to change what we're eating. But yeah, your sleep will change dramatically. And usually sleep patterns are about blood sugar more than anything else. It's less about mm. the stress at work. It's less about, you know, how late they work at night. That's clearly contributing uh, factors. But the most overreaching and consistent is blood sugar. That's definitely something to consider at a minimum if I'm having trouble sleeping. I mean, you're saying you're recommending at least three hours before going to bed, right? Yeah, that's in the food timing. But before that, if you eat a high sugar, so a high carb diet, even three hours before, you're going to get a mo- not even a moderate improvement in your sleep. But if you change your diet being low carb and do that, you know, put it in the back of your mind, but I wouldn't let that be a necessity at this point. You'll find a significant difference. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I, I, that 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 particular that particular part just kind of strikes a chord with me, just because I've been so inconsistent with that for so long. Yeah. But um, let me see. Uh, so, uh, are there any common mistakes um, that you see newbies in the keto world make? In the newbie world, and in, in the keto newbie keto world, a lot of people go chasing different aspects of what they think is a successful ketogenic diet. And it really depends on what they're chasing it for. If one doesn't have a serious illness or a real focus on why they're doing a ketogenic diet, meaning they don't have Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or neurological issues, uh, it usually comes down to weight loss for most people that are not, they don't have a serious disease. So they, they're so driven by weight loss, they jump, they jump, they jump, and they do nothing consistently. And so I would say that's the biggest mistake. It's pretty much the biggest mistake in anything because you can lose weight with other diets. This is just overarching in terms of health-wise. So that would be the first thing because it's consistent and that's why you and I are going to be working together so we get the two months of being consistent. And after that, Mm. you know what you're doing and you you can do whatever you want to do. So let me ask you this, Carl. Uh, I know you said you you've been a practicing doctor for 16 years. Uh, What what was your, your specialty? So I was a naturopathic doctor, acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, but primarily, you know, your, your practice develops according to the patients you see, and then you find in time the patients that think you're most successful, your, your, your patients actually will dictate how your practice isn't going to go. So mm. it ended up following a lot on diet and doing blood work and what they call genetic testings at, at various aspects, but the practice ended up focusing on people who were in part, pretty seriously ill, so a lot of cancer patients, uh, mm-hmm. autism, and you had a degree of uh, gyne- gynecological issues in the sense of menopause and PMS, but it was ended up being nutrition-based. You know, uh, the first thing, once you had a full booked practice, you could start making demands, and my demands on patients were 
were this, that they had to give me a seven-day diet diary, everything they had eaten for seven days. That was a requirement. Mm -hmm. They also okay. had to um, sign a form so I could then get their last two to five years of blood work from all the various doctors. So I had their history. Okay. And, right. then, and then we met and we talked. So my focus was, and then so I had their past blood work, and then I would order new blood work given their story. You know, why did they come to see me? And that was the beginning point. And so you know, when I look at their diet, it was such an easy place to begin without being that knowledgeable about diet. What I mean is, mm. um, you know, if somebody's eating Twinkies three times a day, well, the first thing you should do is get out the worst part of their diet, and you would actually see improvement. You go well beyond that, of course. Um, yeah. But that's that's was pretty much the gist of 90% of what I did. People got really involved when you got into genetic testing because that was fun for them. But you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't that necessary. So Carl, um, I, I've been reading some articles, but they're drawing ties between hormones and diet and how certain things that might be happening within your body because of an imbalance of hormones can be corrected just simply through diet. I would say that's correct. Um, of course, that's a big generalization. You're talking about endocrin yeah. endocrinology, but um, some very specific issues. So I'm going to bring it back to basically a, a, a glucose, a carb-reliant diet, which is kind of the American way. And what we find is um, you have two, two easy examples to give. Is One is people rely on carbs. They, they tend to get overweight. And even if they're mm -hmm. not overweight, they tend to get either... Uh, what they call, used to call adult onset diabetes or type two diabetes. And as that starts to happen, you will have a, a lower testosterone, you know, that will, your testosterone will go down. So often you now have all the sexual problems and uh, ED issues. Um, and that's for the men. For the women, you have a pretty well documented, meaning pretty well in the last 60 years, it's called PCOS, a polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what that is, it's usually um, non-menstruating or very irregularly menstruating women. Not only that, they they tend to grow a mustache called hirsutism, and mm. and so you find these women that don't. They're they're not necessarily all obese, but their blood sugar will show that they either have become diabetic, they're dysglycemic, which means they have a blood sugar problem, um, mm. or in that neighborhood. And so that clearly affects their their hormones. And so what they find is when you go on a ketogenic diet or something very similar, that their hormones tend to come back and cycle, and therefore people who have been wanting to get pregnant but couldn't because they're either PCOS or, or near so have become pregnant. So it's a big deal. So those are kind of two easy examples to give, and they can even get into thyroid and so on and so forth. But yeah, of course, it, things would affect hormones. And you, you can get into hun hunger hormones, a lot of other things. But So the answer to that would be yes, of course. Uh, the story is very big. But yeah, I'm not really sure if I have too many other questions. I mean, I'm a pretty adventurous eater, so regardless of whether or not I'm going to be able to eat some of the, a lot of the same foods, it's kind of fine. You know, um, I probably won't miss it. Nine times out of ten when I'm here at the office, I notice that I, <laughs> I find myself uh, getting distracted all the time because I'm always so hungry. And mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, I usually don't even care what it is that I'm eating just so long as I'm eating something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's going to change. One of the things, so we talked about for people who don't have a a big serious issue what are their experiences going to be you know people talk about they want to lose weight all right that's good but the thing that's less emphasized for the average person is mental clarity and so uh mental clarity is name your name your position for everybody wants mental clarity but whether you're a you know a pilot or an attorney or anybody who just or a researcher who needs to be focused on what they need to do uninterrupted this leads to that 
you could sort of say it's the it's the same aspects that uh, people would use for Alzheimer's, you know, in the sense that it improves brain function. Well, obviously, in that case, you don't improve brain brain function. Uh, but for the average person, they will be able to say, you know, I'm not that hungry. I'm not I'm not driven by that donut you're you're eating next to me in the next uh, in the next uh, cubicle. But uh, you could stay focused and and go on your way. So that's a big deal. So I would say that's probably the number one thing that I have noticed is mental acuity, mental focus, sustained mental focus, and then secondarily, uh, weight loss. That's actually that's actually kind of a relief for me. Um, I know that uh, probably food is like the single most distracting thing regarding my workday, and being that I'm inside of an office for roughly 14 hours a day, it's usually not a good thing because that's totally sedentary. I mean, like granted, you know, I, I, I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I, I usually get to the gym for at least a couple of hours, like three, four times a week. But you know, that said, you know, there's a difference between working, you know, working on your feet, doing that all day, and then being able to work out, or simply just hanging out in an yep. office chair, eating all day, and expecting that you know what you do to be enough. Yeah, yeah. You bring up peripherally actually the third most common reason people uh, get into the ketogenic diet, and that is about working out. And so probably the most dominant market versus weight loss second is about um, bodybuilders. And I say bodybuilders slash endurance athletes, but not things like MMA or sprinters. So endurance athletes, we're talking about ultra marathoners, 100-mile runs, uh, we're talking about, as an example, there was there's there was two long distance rowing events. One was in 1914 from uh, Monterey to Hawaii, and mm. it was a husband and wife team that did this. They uh, the record was 60 days, and they decided to pack a ketogenic diet and had in essence been counseled to do this, and so mm-hmm. they beat the record by 45 days. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry. They, they beat the record by 15 days. They, they got there in 45 days, way ahead of time. But the thing was, when they arrived, they were not decimated. They arrived stronger, not worn out, ready to go. So that's amazing. Then there was another... Uh, that is amazing. Yeah, there was another, um, I think it was a British group, it basically went from uh, the Canary Islands to Antigua. So that's almost across the Atlantic. It is, if you want to sort of look at, it's more like going southwest. Uh, and that was, uh, was it a 60-day? Anyways, they beat the record by, uh, I think it was uh, six, 60 days, and they beat it by uh, at least five days. And uh, they focused on, now this is two years later, this just happened in January this year, uh, they focused on what they called an MCT diet. So an MCT is an oil that, that is uh, ketogenic, and, mm-hmm. and they did little more than that, and they had some basic food, but they just, and they had a four-man team, and they crushed it. So that's amazing. So those are the kind. Of, those are the kind of. Those are the other things that people use this for. So, you know, you get, you have the the person who needs the attention. You have the person who wants the weight loss. You have the endurance athlete, and then you have the weight training, weight resistance training person. Uh, somehow, I actually fall under so many bits of all all those categories, which is pretty wonderful. I'm really excited to see how this actually. Uh, uh, ends up uh, benefiting for me. I mean, for me, for me, one of the biggest things that I've always noticed, and this is even going back to even when I wrestled back in high school, and I even competed in jiu-jitsu back in high school as well, that, um, you know, when you're maintaining weight, when you're restricting calories, it's, it's, it's easy to look great, you know, but looking great isn't really enough. I've seen so many guys smaller than me just have so much more endurance, so much more strength, mm-hmm. just because they're walking around at their natural weight, eating how they feel they're supposed to, and that works great for them. 
However, for me, um, that's almost never been the case. I almost find myself, you know, uh, the moment I step off the scale, just pumping full of Gatorade, trying to eat as much as I can before the, before any of my matches, just to get my strength back because I right. feel like I have nothing. If these people are able to do um, endurance events, you know, and actually not destroy themselves in the process, that's actually amazing. Um, I've never, I've honestly never really heard of anybody in my kind of position actually have a, a similar type of effect through anything else. Interesting. One of the things I, I put jujitsu along with MMA, mixed uh, martial arts, and what mm-hmm. they found in that is that so the sprinter that needs the you know or the MMA that needs to respond right there is that what they did is they trained under a ketogenic diet, and then uh, I think it was three days before, then they switched. They made sure. You know, it wasn't so much a strange, uh, an amazing dietary change, but they just didn't worry about the fats and carbs. They started to carb up a little bit for those three days before, you know, it was after they weighed in and it wasn't, they didn't do it for the weight, but they really did it for a number of reasons. I mean, glycogen stores, fuel use of ketones, and they found that was the best, best mix. Whereas an endurance wow. athlete, it, whereas the endurance athlete, you know, the hundred mile marathoner and these other people I've told you about, uh, they didn't change. You know, they were all about long, sustained effort again and again and again and again. And so there was only slight modification. So that's the interesting thing. I, uh, I'm definitely gonna have to talk to uh, talk to my instructors about that one because uh, that's a that's a really that's actually a, is a really really cool concept considering what it means. You know, a lot of these guys who actually fight in MMA, they'll go, they're training, they're doing their training camp for typically one match. Um, these guys who train jiu-jitsu, they're doing the same type of training camp for similar lengths of time, except when they go for the day that they have to compete, their bracket might be an 8, 10, 12, 16-man bracket. So they actually have to go for multiple rounds if you're actually going to go ahead and finish. God forbid you actually make it to the end and you make it to the podium, and then you have the absolute division, which is the division of all the weight classes who've won medals. And that's another big bracket that people go, a lot of people try to go and win a second time in the same day. It's not even like they, they get that downtime, you know? So I can, I can, uh, I can only imagine that for the, the, the jujitsu person, the ketogenic diet on paper, you know, from, from the benefits of it, sounds like it would be the way to go almost every time. Nate, well, you'll be the one to get back to me on that, no doubt, as you go forward. So <laughs> That uh, is for sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely very excited for that. That's cool. All right, any other questions? Any other sort of concerns you have sort of floating around? You know, honestly, um, you really took a lot of my anxiety regarding this um, um, almost completely out. Um, there's really seeming, it really seems that there's going to be very little guesswork, if at all, for me, which I'm very excited about. Um, I really, um, I, I kind of thrive in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you even brought up some things that, you know, were underlying concerns that I didn't even think to bring up because they weren't, I didn't think they were connected. Like, for example, uh, the sleeping, uh, actually being uh, affected by diet and things like that, things of that nature. And also the mental focus is another thing too. I think uh, being able to get more done, maybe, who knows, maybe I'll shrink my 14 hour, 12 hour workday even down even further, who knows? Yeah, well you strike <laughs> me, so in me knowing you, you strike me as a pretty intense person anyway and you do rather intense, you know, you're off, you know, doing a lot of audio and other things together for other people, and you have to be off by yourself and focused. So um, that would be uh, that'll be interesting to see how you change in that regard of doing that. Okay, so if you have no more questions, let's go to sort of the bigger picture of what I call the sort of this uh, pre ketogenic diet awareness week. You you started logging in just the foods you're eating now with no judgment on your My Fitness Pal. Correct. Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, no, no judgment is uh, is a little bit of a stretch for sure, but yeah, I've definitely been putting it in. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. If you got ten beers or all this pizza or I, I could care, you know, or, or soda, it's like 
it's just it's fun to put into before because you can look back uh, a couple months from now and you'll say, you know, this is a piece. It's like a picture of what you were providing this does represent you, whatever you're doing now. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to see how much was good and how much was, you know, maybe not the best things you should have been eating. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. So um, you got a scale or you're about to buy a scale uh, that allows you to do lean body mass. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And down the road, we're going to, you know, we call it the ketogenic diet, not for nothing, because it's about ketones. So we're going to figure out how to measure those. But um, actually, I think is even more important is uh, measuring glucose. Yeah. So we're going to do it just like a diabetic. We're, we're all going to do the same old diabetic exercise, which is finger prick and, you know, putting the strip in and getting a reading from the finger prick. And um, have you or you are you planning to buy a meter? I've suggested a few meters to you. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to get the keto. I'm going to get the blood sugar meter first. OK. And I'm going to get uh, the the UMI scale. OK. Um. Uh, then uh, later on, I'm going to get the ketometer. Um, I know that you mentioned um, that I would be able to get strips in place of the ketometer uh, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm probably going to go ahead and do those instead just for the beginning. Yep. And then um, hopefully hopefully sooner than later, I'll get the uh, ketometer. I just want to make sure that I don't get it too late so we can get the best data possible. Good. Yeah, that's fine. So the strips, the urine strips is what you're talking about, right? Yes. Good. Good. They're really cheap. And uh, the reason that... You know, if everybody could stay on urine strips, which they can't, because really the effectiveness of uh, measuring uh, ketones in urine is only for the first 30 days and sometimes it's even less. And so uh, mm-hmm. the reason we encourage people to use it initially, they've never been in, the, uh, in a ketogenic diet, is they go, oh my gosh, look at I'm, I'm, you know, I can see ketones. You get to see the strip change. So it's like a, an attaboy. There you go. Or an oh, attagirl. Yeah. So, and then you have to switch over to something a little more um, academic you know, that you can actually get a measure and, that, and we'll do that. That's fine. So you got that covered. Okay. The sugar's great because we'll get to have, you know, what are your sugars now? N- neither good nor bad. You're obviously not diabetic, but we're going to say the, the whole world, by the way, you know, when people talk about ketogenic diet, they express that there's a, you know, absolutely defined, this is the way you do it. These are the numbers that are good for everybody. And that's never the case. There is so much personal variation. You know, the, the idea of high fat, low carbs, moderate protein, it is is a prescription and everybody can do it their own way. But all of us are going to have different blood sugar and all of us are going to have an easier time or a harder time to create those ketones. But in, in, in the, the change or the adaptation, they call it fat adapted or keto adapted, that initially is going to be the first big step is going to be a couple of weeks. And then after that, even six months later, a year later, it's going to be changing for you. So it's never uh, set in stone. And so that's why... Hmm. we do these meters, you know, how and we do it intermittent. So initially you're going to get trained to do all this and uh, somebody like you will get, you know, partially obsessed with all this data and spreadsheets, which is fine. And then, mm-hmm. and then you'll learn to not do it for a while and just do life. And then you'll come back intermittently to sort of see where you are. And that's basically how this is. But initially we do have to sort of get teched up, you know, geeked up to understand <laughs> some of these things. Yeah. Um, and so that's right up your alley. But uh, learning not to do it when you don't have to do it is a good thing too. Let's see. So, um, uh, do you have uh, do you have any other words for me? I mean, uh, for the most part, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty good prelim wise. Um, I just got to get the uh, get the skill ordered for now, and I'm pretty much good to go. I think so. You know, these are just the basic things because the reason I say, oh, you have to get the food scale too, so you could be able to weigh things. You know, and all these things are cheap, and all these things uh, inevitably are pretty necessary in part for your kitchen. So. 
when you talk about, when we start talking about protein or, or carbs or whatever, the fat's the one we really only don't have to weigh too much, uh, but we are going to have to measure carbs or have to get a, a, an eyeball and be able to recognize on a regular basis after a while, you know, what does 20 carb looks like? Uh, you probably have no idea. Um, and that's fine. You know, what does, uh, after we calculate your, your proteins on a ballpark, ballpark uh, amount, you know, what does that look like? You know, um, but we're just going to hang out and uh, we're not going to start this for a week, but so we're just going to, the idea, so you've, you now have an awareness before we get started. I'm going to let you sit with that. You got your assignments. Keep logging away. If your glucose meter shows up, start taking your, your glucose and see what that is. It's, it's, it's fun to see it. You can do it first thing in the morning. You can do it after, in the middle of the day, after you eat, whenever you want to do it. But that's going to be another reference as we move on. You know, is that going to stay the same? Are you perfectly healthy right now? Or is it a little bit high and we're going to shave off 20 points? Who knows? But mm. having that reference now would be a good thing to have. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much uh, for, for taking the time to talk to me, Carl. I, I really do sincerely appreciate it. I'm good with that. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun trip. Thanks for listening. For anybody who has any questions, feel free to contact me on our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Same name as our podcast. I'm open to any questions and we plod through the good and the bad, the difficult and the easy week after week.